And good morning, everybody out there on West Limit 102. Uh, my name is John Keeley from Sacred Space. Uh, this particular morning from 10 o'clock to 11 o'clock, we, uh, we're going to move away from our usual format. Uh, I have an interview actually lined up for us to listen to today with um, the parish priest of Newcastle West Canon, Father, Father Frank Dewick. Uh, because it's here as the priesthood, we said we'd take the opportunity of listening to Father Frank's story. So I hope you enjoy the interview, listen from it, and of course give Fr- Father Frank and all priests out there all your encouragement. So let's, let's listen to it now. So welcome back to uh, Sacred Space. My name is John Keeley. And continuing something that I started off uh, a few months ago, this being the year of the priesthood, uh, taking the opportunity of speaking to a few priests uh, within the diocese, um, at the moment anyway, Let's see um, how they they came about getting the idea of priesthood, and maybe they might spend some time and share this time this journey with ourselves. So for today we're very fortunate to have with us um, Father Frank Dewick from Newcastle West. Thank you very much, indeed, Father Frank, for spending this time and sharing your journey with us. Very welcome, John. And uh, also your experience uh, since ordination. Um, one of the things that we'd like to do, if possible, is if priests or guests have any suggestion at all as to the type of music or maybe a suggestion as, as to some piece of music they'd like, uh, and find a friend that's open to yourself, if maybe there's a piece of music you'd like to, for us to play before we start the interview, and maybe the reasons why you'd like us to play it. Yeah, well, it's a little bit of music from Medjugorje, and um, the name of the programme is uh, Sacred Space, you know, and that suggests a kind of, you know, getting into a kind of a reflective mode, you know, mm-hmm. and I think this little bit of music, it's a group that play music at the at the ceremonies in Medjugorje, and they have brought this CD, and they just one track that I'd like you to play. It's, is it an inst- instrumental piece? Instrumental, yes. It's yeah, beautiful yeah. music. I think we played it before in the programme. It's entitled, Father... Give us peace. It's from a, a, oh, a, a CD. Give us peace. Uh, Adoramus te domine is the title of the particular one. Okay, so maybe <coughs> before we continue on with the interview, we will have that piece of music and then come back and join us again shortly.
Sacred Space on West Limerick 102. Okay, so welcome back again to the uh, to this particular program we have with Father Frank Dewey here in Newcastle West, and thanks for that piece of music, Father. Uh, lovely piece of music to start off the program. Thank you very much you're indeed. Very so, Father, um, your journey to priesthood and your experience since maybe, maybe you could start us off with uh, filling us in a little bit of your family background, where you come from, and brothers and sisters, and so on and so forth. Yes, well, I, I uh, come from uh, Drummondaclaca over in uh, South Limerick, South Limerick anyway. In, GA Terms and um, okay. uh, I grew up on a farm and uh, I'm proud of being a drumming at like a man and I'm happy that I grew up on a farm especially in the light of what I uh, when went into in life afterwards in priesthood because I think when you're close to nature you know it keeps you close to God as well and I think it played its part. Um, my family I have uh, five sisters and I have uh, two brothers um, I have two sisters, nuns, uh, three sisters married around the country. My brothers are farming at home in Drummondatlaka. And are they all based within Ireland now, Father, or no. some, some travelled abroad? No, the two, the two sisters that are in the religious sisters are yes. in England. Okay. Mm. So that was the family background. Um, then, uh, I mean, obviously you went to school maybe in Drummondatlaka? Went to school, yes, in Drummondatlaka, and then I uh, went for one year as a day boy going in by bus into Limerick to St. Martin's College and then I went as a boarder and spent the next four years uh, boarding there in St. Martin's College. A very popular place to go to, I believe, in those days. Well, it was, yes. Yeah. It was diocesan colleges, you know, and um, uh, it was, uh, there were probably a few other boarding schools, but it was the one most accessible to us and my parents thought it would be a good idea if I went boarding and I didn't know any different and so I went. Okay, so this idea of uh, of priesthood or becoming a priest, when when did that first raise its its head? I'm not exactly sure that I can trace it back to any particular moment, but I do know that when I was serving Mass, that I was in awe a little bit, you know, of what the priest was uh, doing, and uh, we served Mass from quite a young age, and the Mass was in Latin, of course, at that time, but uh, that didn't... Uh, bother me, we were mm. all learning off bits of Latin we didn't understand, but there was something about serving masters that I found uh, inspiring, and I'd say that was a, a factor, and um, I also had um, a, a granduncle, a priest in America, in, in Dubuque and Iowa, and uh, uh, I think he had an influence on me too, he didn't know that, but mm. I think he had and that, that helped a bit. Um, so that was the, it, I could trace it back as far as that. And then when I went to Monchins College, it was reinforced, I would say, there. You know, it was uh, the, um, the Aston Colleges were, kind of, they were called minor seminaries, you know, and mm-hmm. they were in a mm-hmm. sense that, you know, it was mass every day and the sacraments regularly and so forth and a big emphasis on religious education. And, and uh, a lot of nurturing of vocation went on there, so that helped, you know, and... Um, I think then, when I was about 15 or 16, I thought it wasn't such a good idea at all. Um, <laughs> I thought of other things that yeah, I might yeah. do in his life. And, um, yeah. uh, you know, and I'd say, tried very hard, really, uh, to get rid of the idea out of my mind and thought I had got rid of it. But I was about uh, Christmas and my leaving search year, it started um, raising its head again. And um, I just, I couldn't. And I was a bit disappointed, really, that it came back to me then because I thought it was gone and I had thought of other ways that I might spend my life mm-hmm. and, uh, but it kind of wouldn't go away and I just said I'm going to have to try this thing 
Do you, were your parents aware of this idea at that particular time? Not, not really. I'd, I'd say they, um, I'd say they had no idea. Um, but I remember I, in the summer after doing my leaving cert, at that stage I had made up my mind that I must try it, and I had spoken to the priest in Munchens College about mm-hmm. it, and. Um, so I remember telling my mother, and then I remember uh, so a week or two later telling my father we were on our way out to another farm to mm-hmm. count cattle, and I, I told him, and um, and my father was a very practical man, like you know, and he said, I remember what he said to me was like, you know, well, what do you have to do to get ready to go? You know, when are you starting? <laughs> uh-huh. And that's what I was. So, so that was it. You, you, you kind of broken the news to your parents. Right? I mean, your friends now. I mean, people who would have yeah, been. I, I, I don't remember any particular reaction from uh, friends. Like, but uh, you know, it would have been positive because okay. I can't think of any particular friend and what his or her reaction was. But it would have been positive because you're talking about 1962. Okay. So, um, different you know, era, different, different, different world, different world. Yeah. Different world. Yeah, yeah, it would have been a lot of support and quite a number of lads from from our class, you know, went uh, for priesthood that year, you know, so certainly wasn't the only one. Okay, so the idea was um, you had to make up your mind as to how you were going to maybe get into seminary. Uh, Who did you speak to about that? Yeah, well, I uh, spoke to the uh, priest in in the college in Limerick, Mm -hmm. and I should say before I go go into that, that that, uh, when you asked about how my parents and family Mm -hmm. reacted, the one thing I felt very free all the time uh, that I would be free to leave, you know, and it okay. wasn't spelled out very much, but I felt uh-huh. that freedom. I, I felt that there would be no difficulty about uh, leaving the seminary as far as my parents are concerned if I chose to, even though we didn't discuss it very much, but I felt that freedom. Okay, yeah. okay. But then I spoke, to, I spoke to the priest and the, the president at the time was uh, Canon Breen, and uh, I spoke to him about it, and uh, he told me to come back to him after the... Um, after the leaving self results came out. In the meantime, we had to do, there was a, a, a little examination we had to do okay. if we wanted to go to Maynooth, and we had done that as well. But you might do that and still not go afterwards. Okay, yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. But you think you had to do it anyway? Yeah, yeah. So then the idea then was to, was to enter Maynooth? Yes, I, I was, uh, the bishop then decided to send me to Maynooth. Uh, it was the bishop's decision what seminary mm-hmm. you would go to. Most lads did go to Maynooth, but not all of them. And... Um, yeah, I sent me to Maynooth and I set off there in uh, September uh, 1962. Were you the only one from from the Lummi Diocese going up? No, no, there were um, there were five of us. Okay. Um, five of us from uh, St. Munchens, that class in St. Munchens, were sent to Maynooth. Wow. And uh, four of us ordained, and thank God the four of us Good. are still ministering in the diocese. And five out of... I mean, how many would have been in your class in Maynooth in that particular time? In, 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 oh, in Munchen. In Munchen, yeah. Yeah, I, I'm trying to remember. It's 30, 30 something, you know. So and, five, uh, five, five. Well, but there was more. I mean, there was four or five other lads went to Thorless or, oh, or, right. or okay. the other colleges. And um, I, I'm trying to remember. I think there was about uh, 12 fellas um, went away from our class for priesthood. And as far as uh, uh. time now, if we've got to remember, I think. Nine, I think, are, uh, were yes. ordained and are still priests. So about 30% of, oh, yeah, yeah, of yeah. the airmen. Yeah, yeah, a little bit different today, Father. No, very much. A little bit different. Sadly, yeah. 1962, summer, mm-hmm. after Maynooth. Mm-hmm. Um, something new, completely new life for Father Frank? Oh, yes, you know, a different world. I suppose it was a, a, in a small way, maybe. Uh, Munchens had prepared you for it, been away in a boarding school, the, oh, yeah. the away from home aspect of it, and, 
and all of that, like, you know, but it was very, it was very regimental, you know, and, but again, you, you came out of homes that were, where there was strong discipline that time, and there was strong discipline in the secondary school, so that, you know, we kind of took to that mm-hmm. easy mm-hmm. enough, you know, mm-hmm. but it was, it was a strict and uh, uh, tough enough uh, regime, you know, and you got up early, and you got up quarter to seven in the morning, and you were in the church at a quarter past, and you had meditation and mass, and classes all day, and recreation, and then more prayer in the evening, and well, that followed through really for Bunchens. Well, it did, yeah, it did. So, it, it did, yeah, it was, it was quite like it. And then, of course, I mean, that's, uh, you know, they say that vocations are really nurtured anyway, within the family anyway. Mm-hmm. So the family prayer was there and mm-hmm. the faith was in the family and maybe that little spark then helped one to continue on maybe within seminary. Because I'm sure maybe when you were in seminary, you were conscious that there was people out there who were praying for you. Oh, yes, and, and what you would notice that in particular is when you come home for on holidays... Uh, from the seminary, and you'd be go, you were meant to go to Mass every day, and I remember cycling back to Mass in Drummond, and you know, you felt tremendous support from the people that went to daily Mass, that were always coming up to you and tell you they were praying for you, and all of that, there was a great support. In, in relation to what influenced me as well about being a priest, I should have mentioned the local schools, the primary schools. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the teachers there were very encouraging of the faith and all that as well, and I think they play an important part too. A great asset to have. Mm-hmm. Okay, is it seven years now you, you would have spent that particular Seven, seven, seven years, years, yeah, yeah, that's right, yeah. Uh, did, you find it, did you find it hard to, to, to discern at that particular time or, or to try to confirm as to whether, yeah, this is... Yeah, well, yeah, it, it was, it was a difficult process, you know, and uh, you, you had a spiritual director um, who you went to meet every week or two, I can't remember how mm-hmm. often, and um, he was guiding you and you spoke to him what was in your mind mm-hmm. and so forth so that was a, that was a big help and of course you were all the time in the atmosphere of prayer and spirituality yeah. and and uh, the, the, the 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 vocation the seed of the vocation was being nurtured and was growing all the time you know mm-hmm. but in in my second year and christmas after christmas in my second year i always found going back after christmas the hardest time because it was christmas you know you spend the time with family and you're sitting around the fire you're playing cards or whatever and mm-hmm. you go back into this cold building and i remember the sound of the train the galway train passing in the mornings and we'd be walking around the grounds it would remind me of the train that brought me back the evening before you know mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. one of the sounds i can still hear of course, there was a lot of people in Maynooth at that particular time. How many? How many? There was, a, I think, there was about five hundred and fifty wow. seminarians there that time. Yeah, split between the seven years. The seven years that's from right. all around Ireland, all over the country. Yeah, the twenty-six dioceses, the thirty-two counties. Yeah. One of the questions I might ask, because some people might might not might want me to ask this question. Um, what, did you have to keep silent all the time, or could people? There was a lot of silence. There was silence during meals. And there was a when when we were studying, there was um, there was a silence. We were not many. We weren't allowed to go into each other's rooms during okay. study time. So you you observe mm-hmm. silence in the buildings at that time. And um, the, but even during meals, and that's a, yeah. sure a strange concept to a lot yeah. of people. But <laughs> um, people reading, there would be one of the students, and his turn would be up there reading from the lives of one of the saints, uh, maybe. And um, and uh, you'd be amazed. You'd actually remember some of the. The, what you had read uh, uh, during those meals it's strange what you just but you obviously had time um, to have a chat with the rest of the guys and their experiences from around the country well you had but not not during meals like, during meal, you had, yeah. oh yeah you, you were good recreation time and then you yeah you, you had certainly 
time and you could have all the chats and there were great friendships built there you know and of course there was no opportunity was at that particular time to be able to maybe to go out I mean you you were strictly staying within the seminary we were totally confined to the um, uh, to the seminary we couldn't even we were when we were in junior division which is first and second Mm -hmm. we couldn't go over to the senior division even we couldn't go down the front of the mm-hmm. college even, wow. even and still be inside the gate. We still couldn't go down even there, you know. You told us early on now, this is 19, 1962 when you, when you went to the seminary. Mm-hmm. Um, Vatican II was, was around 63, 64, was it? That's right, yeah. So yeah. therefore, your time in your time in Maynooth would have covered that time within... Oh, it would, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's, uh, it would. We were there, like we went in, if you like, to the old Maynooth, and mm. we came out of the new one in, in, in many senses, you know. Uh, but the Vatican Council was going on while we were students, and I remember some of the um, the professors would be going to Rome maybe for parts of the council as advisors to some of the bishops, and so we were picking up little bits of the new yeah. theology, I'd say. Yeah, you know, and um, which was new, uh, which is new to everybody, but certainly new to you guys. Oh yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. yeah, you know, so it was an exciting time. You know, it was uh, it's one of the great memories of it, and I think you know we, we like to think the fellows around our time that. You know that we benefited greatly because we 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 got some of the old theology yeah. as we called it, and we got we got the new stuff and um, yeah, um, and it was uh, yeah it was a good time. It was a good time. Seven years is a long time to discern in a seminary. Do you find it easy or doubts along the way? There's a sense in which you you need the seven years. Like you know, I, I remember there's a there's a funny story like about a, a, one of the a student home from Manuth on holidays and he had been spent about four years in Maynooth at the time and he met an old man that was living beside him at home and he said how long more have you to spend in Maynooth and he said three more years now and um, and he said how long are you there and he said four seven years he said does it take that long to learn to say mass <laughs> <laughs> so it's a you know but it, you need the time it's not something you, you, you learn you have a lot of stuff to learn but you need the time to mature and yeah. reflect you know it's a big commitment so and of course within semi you go through both philosophy and theology so yeah, it's not so. just all about what's in scripture or maybe the early church teachings but it's also about life and about people. Oh, yeah. Well, we also, at that time, we all had to do, a, 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 on the university side, a BA or a BSc, or a degree in philosophy. Okay. And, also, and if you did a BA, you had to do philosophy as part of it. So that, that was the first three years, and then you started theology in your fourth year, you know. So it was, um, you get a good, good broad yeah, education. A, a good broad. Did you ever consider along the way maybe an order vocation, i.e. maybe the Jesuits or the Dominicans or maybe going to the missions or was it just the diocesan? Yeah, I, I did. Uh, actually, the Redemptress, I, I often thought, you know, that I would have liked to have been a Redemptress, you know. Um, the Redemptress priests used to come to uh, Munchen's, uh, to the boarding school. They used to come and um, they'd be hear our confessions and they'd come and we'd have retreats with them and things like that. So mm-hmm. I kind of got to yeah. like them, you know, and it did enter my head at some time, you know, that I maybe I would like to be, um, mm. you know, um, uh, a redemptress, but I never they did anything really about it, you know. Well, the Lord said, no, get something else mm-hmm. for this guy. Okay, so was there any particular moment when you knew, yeah, this is, the, this is for me, this is the life that I'm really going to give this, my own now because I've, I've gone through maybe part of the seven years or maybe the completion of the seven years but yeah this is this is for me this is the life yeah, well, I, 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 can't, I can't say I remember a particular moment when I said this is for me but I, in my second year 
after Christmas, um, found it hard settling down after Christmas going back. And I, I went into, uh, you know, quite a long period of doubt, you know. And in fact, mm. more than doubt, I really had my mind made up that I was going to leave, you know. And um, it was only a matter of, you know, you know, when would I yeah. actually mm. go. And um, so I, um, one night then, I hadn't spoken to anybody about it, not even my spiritual director. And... Um, and I was speaking to a friend of mine. We walked around the grounds one evening, and I just said it to him that I was thinking of leaving. And he was a good, a good listener, you know. And he listened away, and I spoke about it, you know. And then he asked me. He said, "Have you spoken to your spiritual director?" And and I said, "I haven't." I said, "But I'll tell him, you know, next week maybe, you know." You'll tell him. I'll tell him. <laughs> and he picked me up on that. This uh, chap did, and uh, and he said, "Maybe you should discuss it with him," you know, and. Um, and strange thing, you know, when I woke up the following morning, having talked about it, I um, mm. I hadn't a um, it, the whole I, the idea of leaving didn't appeal near as much to me as it had before. In fact, it was a kind of gone, you know. And uh, and the strange thing is that that lad that I spoke to, he he left, and I stayed, and he's now uh, it was and yeah, I presume he still is a professor of philosophy in New Zealand of all places. So it's interesting the way things uh, go, but um. I think after that, like, you know, that when I came through that, like, you know, I, I felt pretty sure after that that yeah, mm. this is for me and that I kind of had almost uh, gone and more in my mind made up to yes. go and and somebody held me back, something, you know, the mm. Lord, I presume, mm. maybe using this other chap, you know, as his instrument and uh, making me think things out more clearly and... Um, Anyway, I'd say from then on I was fairly sure that I would yeah. stay, you know. Yeah. Very good. So that particular person was in the right place at the right time. He was, yeah, yeah. And maybe this is, a, maybe this is the opportune moment maybe to bring in a second piece of music, um, Father, that you decided that you'd like us to play today. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's a bit of music, John, that I, that I, I came, you know, uh, to love very much. In Manus, Gregorian chant, of course, was the you know the great music, church music at the time, and indeed it's it still is there, very good. It's it's it will last forever, I think. And um, but there's one particular uh, hymn there, the Veni Creator, the great hymn to the Holy Spirit. It's always sung at the beginning of ordination ceremonies and big occasions like that. And I've just terrific memory of of the full student body um, singing that you know when we were students, and it's uh, it's kind of a haunting music. It was in Latin, we didn't understand too much uh, we understood bits of it mm-hmm. but it didn't seem to matter that you didn't understand you knew it was prayer and yes. kind of you know and um, it's one of the nice uh, memories I have of uh, being in the college chapel with the full student body singing the Veni Creator and in fact uh, the piece I'm going to play now is from uh, a recording of the students of Benoit not in my time but much later in the 80s the seminarians of Benoit College brought out a CD Gregorian chant from Benoit and it's on that there, so that's the one I'd like you to play, John. It's in Latin, I hope the listeners don't mind, but just listen, it's... We'll do the best we can. Maybe we can ask the Holy Spirit to inspire us, Father. <laughs> so, um, this is the second piece of music from Father Frank's, um, Father Frank's Choice, and it's entitled Veni Creator from the Gregorian chant from Banu. So, let's see what this is like.
Sacred Space on West Limerick 102. So, welcome back again to Sacred Space. Uh, my, my name is John Keeley. I'm joined today by Father Frank Dewick, who's speaking about his journey to priesthood with us. And uh, we're just at the point there, Father Frank, where um, you've kind of uh, coming towards maybe the end of your time in Minus, um, and then it's time for ordination. You're, you're, the time has come when you're to be ordained to the priesthood. Maybe you can speak a little bit about mm-hmm. that. Yes, uh, June uh, 1969, uh, the 15th of June 1969, I was ordained in Croom. One of my classmates, Ali Plunkett, he's now parish priest of Dunnock Moor. He was from Croom, and it was it had become the custom that time to come back to one of the the, the parishes of one of the, the candidates uh, to be ordained, rather than being ordained in Maynooth. And I, I guess it was just a question of uh, someone of our parishes. So um, Croom was the the venue, and uh, that day, Father John Leonard, parish priest of Saint Paul's, Father Tom Crawford. Parish priest of Glynn and Father Ali Plunkett, parish priest of Dunnockmore, and I, we were ordained on the 15th of June in the parish church in Croom. Five of you, Father, at that particular time? Uh, four, 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 four. Four, excuse four, me. Yeah, yeah. That would have been some occasion for, for Croom. Would that, uh, would... No, I say it was. It must have been, you know. Right. It, yeah, I mean, I, well, I can only imagine if it had been in Drummond at Lekka. What an occasion it would have been for them, so I presume it was a very big occasion. For and of course, all the preparation that goes into it, yes, and, yeah. and, and, and the joy of the family and mm. the friends, and, and I suppose when you're, you're there um, that particular day, uh, coming up um, to be ordained by the bishop, uh, what bishop was around at that particular bishop time? Bishop Henry Murphy, bishop Henry uh, Murphy. who had been teaching me for a while in Munchens College and became a bishop and was a lovely, lovely man. Lovely, lovely man. Mm. And I mean, having to having to attend or, or being uh, being ordained that particular day with all your friends and family in attendance must have been some joy. Well, it was. It was a great. It was a great feeling, you know. And I was. Uh, I can still remember being so happy mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. day. And then you asked me earlier when was I? And I know yeah. this is for me. Obviously, I had yeah. to know it before ordination, but I certainly had to confirm that day when I was ordained. You were certainly thinking about that guy, uh, that guy who, who who spoke to you that day back in mm. the news after mm. two years, who's now in New Zealand. Yeah, that's right. So then now it comes to time, uh, Father Frank, when uh, it's time for you to celebrate your first mass. Yes, uh, that would have been back in your own. I was back in my own parish in uh, Drummond in Drummond Church in Drummond at like a parish. Yeah. On the um, on the following day, the sixteenth of June, evening mass, and uh, the whole community turned out. And it is, I think, it's one of the most special experiences in the life of any priest, uh, especially when the first mass is celebrated back among his own people, who nurtured his vocation from the beginning. You know, it's a very, very special time. Yeah. And you can then, of course, give your first blessing to the members of your family. Absolutely, family. and just you know, it's kind of humbling, you know, to have yes. People that you knew from going to the weekday mass and during your time as a student, people that you knew were really holy people. They were more holy than you would ever mm, become. Mm. And it was really humbling to see them kneeling and asking for your blessing, you know, and it's just a reminder of what I had just done. Yeah. And of course, there was the Holy Spirit. And then, of course, even, even this idea that, 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 you're, that you're a priest, an ordained priest, and so now you're able to dispense the sacraments, the sacrament of reconciliation and... Mm-hmm. Um, the sacrament of the sick uh, and all this sort of wealth that the Catholic Church can impart to the rest of the people of the church through the priests uh, mm-hmm. must have also held a special place for you to be able to maybe to baptise people to marry people to, mm-hmm. to bury the dead and so on and oh, so forth yes, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, you mentioned the Independence Day. You know, it's. Um, I remember, you know, when I was a, a student, or maybe when I was in Munchens College. You know, you would, you'd, have, you'd always prefer to go to a younger priest. You know, that yeah. he um, would understand you better. You know, but now I think I would think different because yeah. I think the longer you are in priesthood, the more understanding you are of human weakness and. The more you are understanding, you are of somebody who has something to tell in confession, you know. So, but yeah, it is a great privilege to all the sacraments, really. You know, um, it is one of the, you know, it's uh, and I love to put a good bit of effort into preparing to sacraments for the time. It's very special for the people, you know, people getting married or somebody having their child baptized as well. Mm-hmm. You know, it's important we put in a lot of effort because it's a really sacred moment in their lives. And of course, the time in Maynooth would have prepared you for that in terms of the prayer and uh, mm-hmm. and the quiet time that you had there. Oh, yes, yeah. Uh, and uh, and of course, the, the theology of the sacraments, we went mm-hmm. into great detail, you know. So. so anyway, this is it. You're now ordained a priest and now it's time to get a bit of work done. <laughs> um, so um, no doubt the, the the bishop will then assign you to wherever he thinks best mm-hmm. you're suited or where, to wherever the need is. So where were you moved to, Father? Or yeah, you well, I was sent in to St. Munchen's College uh, for July and August. You normally got your uh, temporary appointment at least on the mm-hmm. 1st of July. So I was asked to go in and stay in St. Munchen's College and say masses in different convents in Limerick covering for priests okay. who normally were chaplains and were maybe away on holidays. And then in the last week of August, uh, Bishop Murphy came out to the college and asked that he wanted to see me. And he told me he was, um, I can remember his words. He said, Frank, he said, I'm uh, thinking of uh, sending you in here uh, as Dean to Munchens. You will accept, won't you? <laughs> <laughs> he did have a way of saying things. It was Larry Murphy's <laughs> nice way of uh, yeah. saying yeah. Yeah. I was happy to go there. And uh, that was my first assignment, started in September. 1969, and I was there until 1982. 1980, yeah, that, that was that was 13 years. 13 years, yeah. Um, different times within the church, or, or, or was it a change in church at that particular time? It's beginning, you know. Beginning, yeah, yeah. I suppose the, I, I think the thinking, the thinking priests of the, you know, the, the deep thinkers, you know, I remember some of the fellows that would be renowned for thinking that be more deeply about things. Mm. And they were talking through the 60s about the great change that was taking place. And I think some of us hadn't noticed it, you know, yeah. for a while. But then you began to see that these people were, you've been a bit uh, prophetic, you know, and they were right. And it changed, such change, a rapid change, uh, right through from the 60s. But I was thinking particularly, you know, of your assignment, because this change is happening. And you're there with a crowd of young people from mm-hmm. 1969 to 1982, so probably they would have had maybe questions or aspirations or why can't this or is this going to happen? Or, and of course, you kind of had, you were the front line. Mm-hmm. So therefore, these people would have come to you. It, it isn't that a fact. You're well, I don't think, uh, uh, like, uh, the, at, at that point, I, I'd say the, the, the way the changing Ireland found expression with the, the students in Munchens was that the um, the long hair and things okay, like that, you know, yeah, and yeah. the parents mm. and the priests us in the college fighting with them about it and so yeah. forth, you know. But I spent, I often said this to people, I spent the first year, you know, sending fellas out to get their hair cut, you know, and, and fighting with them about it, you mm. know, and because that was the, the policy. And But I, I noticed through the year that the, the, the guys uh, that I was sending out and f- for haircuts and fighting with them, that they were really fine fellows, you know. Mm, and I mm. said, why am I fighting with them about their hair, you know? So yeah. I kind of changed my yeah. tack, and I often say this to people. I said, well, okay, if you're going to grow your hair long, 
as long as your sister, then you'll wash it as often as your sister. <laughs> very, so very. that seemed to work a little bit better. <laughs> so, okay, you continued there to 1982, Father. Yeah. And then asked to move again? Yeah, well, I, I had asked uh, Bishop Newman at that time, you know, I, I, because I, I felt that, you know, it wouldn't be good to stay too long because I, okay. I had my eye on parish life all the time and that it wouldn't be... I was happy in, in Munchens. It wasn't so much that I felt I had to get out, but it would be a good thing to start. And I said to him in 1980, don't leave me here all my life. And he said, all right, I'll remember that. Mm-hmm. So he rang me in 82 and said, you know, would you like to go now? And I said, yeah, I would. Mm-hmm. And um, I went on to Drumcolor Broadford, uh, Father Gerard McNamee, a great friend of mine, and now dead, God rest his soul. We left the college at the same time. He went to Ballangarry and I went to Drumcolor Broadford as a curate. He went as a parish priest Ballangarry. So that was 1982? 82. Did you stay there for long? Huh? I thought I'd be there. I was kind of working out in my own mind that um, I'd have to be, you know, I'd be there until I was a parish priest, which might be about another 10 years. Okay. And so I thought I'd be there for about 10 years, but um, I'm afraid not. Um, I, Bishop Newman contacted me in the uh, March of 1984 and uh, asked me to come and see him and uh, told me that um, uh, they're looking for a dean in Maynooth and that uh, they, they or he or I don't know who thought that maybe <laughs> um, I might be suitable. So mm-hmm. he gave me a day or two to think about it and uh, came back and uh, so I ended up in Maynooth then in uh, September 1984. Thought I was going for three years, but I was there for 15. Uh, uh, no, no, so 1999. But I was just thinking there, you know, you do, you, you were in um, the first position there uh, in, in Munchens, 1969 to 82. So you were 13 years there, and then you were kind of hoping to get back to this parish life. And then you had a chance to come back to Broadford. What, what, what change was that like now? I mean, the change from coming from a dean in college back to parish life. Did you... Yeah, well, I, I, like as I say, even my time in in, in Munchens and then subsequently in, in Maynooth, I never lost sight of the a, a priest, as far as I was concerned, as the man who worked in the parish. Mm, mm, and that was always in my mind. And um, and from the friends, my other lads, the, the other lads that were in my class, that were in parishes, you know, um, speaking to them and they were enjoying it very much as well. So I was looking forward to going to mm. a parish. And Munchens was uh, easy to leave in this sense that uh, the people you were dealing with were moving away from you every year. The leaving okay, class is okay, moving on. Okay, so you, okay. you, you mm-hmm. and I found parish much more difficult to leave, and that came up later. Um, so I was looking forward to parish, and I was blessed like Broadford. I just loved uh, mm-hmm. being in mm-hmm. Broadford. Yeah, lovely. I knew everybody there. It was just a lovely parish, and loved it. And what what, what did you work involved with when you were in Manus, Father Frank? When I went to Manus, yeah. I was. I became a, a dean again. They call them directors of formation now, kind of a fancier title, a less mm-hmm. threatening title, but the reality, I think, is the same. <laughs> they, um, so, again, you know, just I was, I was basically in charge of the first and second year students preparing for priesthood. Um, and I was in that for, must have been in it for about nine or ten years, and then I moved to a senior, the senior division for a few years. Mm-hmm. And in the last two years I was there, 97 to 99, I was involved in pastoral formation, the final year students uh, preparing for priesthood and some lay students who had done degrees in theology were doing a higher diploma okay. in pastoral studies and I was a kind of uh, the organiser of that uh, course and they would go on assignments, both the lay students and the clerical students would go into Dublin 
to hospitals, parishes, prisons and okay. death and assignments and I would go in and monitor how they were doing in that for two years, up to 99. So, I mean, you're, you're 15 years, uh, this is 1984, you've been a priest for 15 years at this particular stage, isn't that right? So, mm-hmm. right? And then you spent another 15 years, so half of your priesthood was really spent really in Manus, up to this particular time, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. There was 15 years in Manus. So then they come to 1999 and... Um, did you move on again? Or? Yeah, well, the, again, I, I, I had, uh, you know, I had to remind them, in, uh, the bishop, like, you know, make sure I don't get left in the <laughs> I really only got two years in a parish, so I said, you know, keep an eye on that for me. And so he did, he came back and, uh, and uh, said that uh, I could, uh, you know, go back to the diocese in 99. And, but I got, it was a kind of a, the custom at that point to get a little bit of a sabbatical. So I got... Three months, I'd have got more, I think, if I wanted. And I went to Australia, of all places, for three months, from September uh, to December the 23rd, 1999. I was in Australia doing a course in a spirituality centre in Australia, but um, not uh, not a very heavy course or anything okay. like that. But I did a lot of reading and attended various lectures and, and relaxed as well, because, I, you know, the, the years of Minuth, you know, it was a very onerous job, a yeah. big responsibility, and... Gave me a chance to clear my head, so I enjoyed those three months immensely. And it probably gave you time to relax and reflect, and mm-hmm. and obviously pick up whatever you were picking up from your courses mm-hmm. over there. Um, just a question that I had there: um, Was it the Bishop of Limerick that you had to ask or remind? Listen, can I come back to Limerick? Or from I, north? Yeah, from well, north. it was the Bishop of Limerick, but the decision would be made by, we'll say. You know, I, I don't know for sure, probably the Cardinal and he was the chairman of the trustees and they had to appoint somebody else if I was leaving, you know, so okay. a few of them, if you had a chat, which is my own bishop, I would approach about getting out, you know. But the bottom line is anyway, uh, you ended up out in Australia for a few months and uh, you come back here, what, in the year 1999 was it? Or? In 19, I was in, I, I was in, I knew I was planning to be home for Christmas and about the 20th of December 1999, uh, Bishop Don Murray rang me in Australia and I told him to feel free to ring me if mm-hmm. there was an appointment. And, and he asked me to know where they go to Kappa. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, I said I would. And he said he also, he'd already mentioned this to me, that um, the, he would uh, like me to go to, um, uh, to also be involved in pastoral care of priests, travelling around the diocese, visiting the priests. And I did that for four or five years, you know, okay. calling around, seeing how they were doing in that, you know. So I had that as well as the parish in Kappa. And did you stay in Kappa for now and then, Father? I was uh, four years four in years Kappa. Th- okay. And um, the Bishop Murray told me that I, I would eventually have to go to a busier busier parish. And um, so it was a kind of at the back of my mind, knew that I wouldn't be too long in Kappa. Maybe that made it a little bit easier to leave it, but I loved it. It was mm-hmm. just, I loved, loved that parish, Kappa. Terrific. Lovely. And so you moved from Kappa... Uh, to uh, Newcastle West, where yeah. I am now, and here I am still. That was, and, that was two, 2000? In, uh, in 2003, November 2003. And so I'm still here. Uh, and, and, so, uh, uh, and of course, um, that's proven to be right. Father uh, Bishop Murray was correct in saying that you'd be living a busier life. Is that right when you come to Newcastle? Yeah, well, yeah, it certainly is, you know, <laughs> I mean, the, the population and all, you know, it is uh, it is a busy place, you know, and, um, and we, we try to get a lot of things going here, you know, put in as much effort as we can, you know, and uh, Father Paddy and Father uh, 
Richard, yeah. yeah, so that hasn't got a notice around it. Yeah. I suppose one of the questions that, 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 that people might ask from time to time, and I'll ask you anyway, as I asked the other priest, is it a lonely life being a priest? I, to be honest, I, I don't, I haven't really felt lonely. Maybe mm. occasionally, you know, but I can't say that I have found it lonely. No, I think maybe a lot of it is. I tend, I, I like to be busy and uh, doing things and mm. have a lot going on and. Mm. I think that maybe helps you a lot, you know. So I can't honestly say that I have found it lonely. No. And I mean, your time in Maynooth anyway would have prepared mm-hmm. you for that. Okay, um, how do you relax in terms of hobbies or interests? Or, I believe there's a bit mm-hmm. of rugby in you somewhere, isn't it? That's right, yeah. Well, the, people that, the people that know me well say I don't maybe relax enough. Um, but uh, a bit of bad golf about seven or eight times a year, and I mean bad, and not just being any false humility. Um, <laughs> Uh, horse racing, I'm interested in that. I'd, uh, if I do buy the paper, I usually I'd probably only end up looking at the racing page. That's right. And um, so I like horse racing, but there was always a few horses at home, and we kind of grew up with an interest in them. All my family would have that interest. And rugby, yeah, rugby would, would be one of the sporting passions of my life. Munchens College, of course, a very strong rugby, stronghold, quite a number of them. I think about seven of them, you know, they're contracted with Munster at the moment, you know. Mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. Um, so. Uh, they were, they weren't there when I was there. Of course, this is a different era. But uh, Munchens is a strong rugby place. I got a great love for it there. I was coaching teams, and even in Maynooth for a while, I coached the team there and the university team there. And um, and that uh, no active involvement now. I wouldn't at the time, but I'm still very keen and mm-hmm. want to see Munster occasionally. Very good. Um, I suppose the the, the next question, Father. Um, Memories. You must have a lot of memories in your 40 years of priesthood now. Um, some uplifting, some sad. Yeah, well, I suppose if you deal with the sad first, like it, I suppose the, 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 the sad memory is all the issue we're dealing with at the moment, mm. you know. That mm. has to be the saddest mm. Uh, mm. Uh, thing I have uh, met in my priesthood, like, you know, so mm. that, um, that is definitely way out there in front in, yeah. in terms of sad. Then you have, you have sad situations where you have families, you know, bereavement and uh, maybe especially young people dying, you know, some extraordinarily yeah. sad situations, you know. But then they, they're, they're very sad, like, but they're also uplifting because uh, the liturgy and uh, your contact with them, like, you, you're able to bring a bit of hope into the middle of that sadness, you know. And um, mm. So I think that, uh, but thank God there hasn't been too many sad uh, thing experiences. Uplifting the whole thing, you know, is um, I, I love being a priest, mm-hmm. and um, and that's that's the that's what's uplifting for me, just being a priest and uh, finding a joy in it, and and people are great, great support from people, and even with the young students in Munchens College years ago, they were very supportive and helpful, and they, they you know they give you they, they give you a great lift, you know. Mm-hmm. So I think yeah, being a priest is. Uh, an uplifting, joyful experience for me. That's, no, that's nice to hear that. Yeah, yeah, to hear. Well, yeah. well, it confirms what I think what we all know. Mm. Um, I suppose, coming back then to the piece of, uh, even before that, being a priest, what do you think people expect from you, from, you know, from a priest, Father, Father Frank? What are they? I, I'm not sure. I think, uh, I think some people don't expect enough, mm-hmm. you know, um, I think if we're there at the same mass and do the sacraments when they need them, you know. Um, I think, you know, it's good to be challenged more. People are looking for some bit extra, you know. Yeah. And there's always, in, in, certainly here in Newcastle West, in a parish of this size, 
you have a certain uh, percentage of people that like to go a little bit deeper into their faith, yeah, you know, and yeah. people that might maybe come to the Lexio Divina and that, you know, and uh, people yeah. that come for a chat privately, you know, and one-to-one for what you might very loosely call spiritual direction, you know, people like that. I think that challenges, you know, and it, 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 it makes you think more about what the priest is and think more about the gospel, you know, and so forth. So... Um, so you, you have some that uh, don't challenge you enough and that others do mm. really challenge you. And I suppose uh, maybe you have a very tiny percentage that expect you to be always there just at that yeah. moment when they and have all be the very answers. tiny percentage. And maybe have all the answers and so mm-hmm. on and so forth. And I suppose, just like you said there, you know, uh, when you mentioned about your memories, you know, and the sad memories, I mean, you're hurt as much as the rest of us are hurting at this particular time with, mm-hmm. with what's been happening in more recent times within church uh, and so therefore maybe also for people would also expect you I mean obviously um, to, to always bring forth your, 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 your priestly gifts but as well as that you're a human being the same as anybody else and I mean there's some things that you can't do for instance you can't be on 24-7 without going to sleep at all I mean, mm-hmm. you need to be a human being too Um. What do you think the year of the priest? What, what, what does the year of the priest mean to... I mean, this is the year of the priest of the June of this year. What, what does the year of the priest mean to you? Well, uh, I suppose, uh, like, when, when I had it announced by Pope Benedict, I thought it was a very good idea. Like, they were highlighting that everybody uh, would, would get a, a better insight into what a priest mm. is and what his uh, true role is. You know, I mean, I think maybe a lot of uh, people in the second half of life today grew up with a priest is very much an authoritarian figure and I think that there's no there's no trace of that left in church documents now. There might mm. be a little bit of trace mm. left here and there, you know, and uh, and I think maybe the media the the, the, the church they're shooting down is is a church that is actually dead a while. I know. know. Yeah. But yeah. um and I think maybe that's through a priest or two. I don't there aren't too many, you know, priests operating out of that authoritarian thing now. It's a much richer thing than that. Like and mm. And, you know, to draw out of the Gospels, you know, what a priest is meant to be. And I was hoping the year of the priest would do that. But sadly, the first half of the year of the priest has yeah. been overshadowed, you know, by the the reports and that, you know, the, that has to be dealt with. So, but hopefully, you know, in the second half of the year of the priest, that it, uh, you know, we will maybe be able to do something that will um, lead to a deeper understanding of priests and then above all, hopefully inspire some young men that God may be calling to uh, go into priesthood uh, themselves. Which is all important, and that's why even even all of us who are even baptized uh, have that duty to be able to pray mm-hmm. for those people who are like you did many those many years ago. You know, having to go up and take that step, to, you know, to mm-hmm. Manus and have those doubts mm-hmm. and so on and so forth. And I suppose that leads me on to maybe maybe the last question of the interview, Father. Um, what keeps you going? I think what what keeps me going, like, is is, uh, and I hope this doesn't sound too to a pious or whatever, but a relationship with Christ, you know, I, I think if people ask you, have your faith, yeah. it's uh, it's the same as asking, are you in a conscious relationship with Christ? Yeah. That's what I believe uh, faith is. And, um, you know, I don't know who somewhere along the line, but somebody convinced me um, along the line that this was the most critical thing about, that you must be in conscious relationship with Christ and relationship to stay alive must be, there must be communication and you, know, you must be constantly working on like any relationship. Yeah. You have to work on it and there's a lot of prayer and reflection and that involved in it. So I think it's, um, that relationship with Christ is the, is the key thing and I, and I try to keep that alive in any way I can. And what plays a huge part in, 
in that for me is uh, Lexio Divina, where we reflect on the Word of God, you know, the teaching of Christ and on his life, uh, which we know we have every Monday evening. You often mention it on mm-hmm. your program. And uh, that to me, like, is... Uh, uh, is is the secret like like is reflecting on the word of God, and um, the, our former bishop now Donald Murray. I would have mm. to thank him. Is one of the great things he gave me from the time that I was working in Minuth, and he used to come out conferring orders on the the students and the various steps to priesthood. Was the way he broke the word of God, and he just one of his greatest gifts was to break the word of God to us, and make the most difficult bits of scripture make them quite accessible. Uh, to us ordinary priests and um, to uh, people as well and um, uh, certainly that has been a great strength uh, to me so you that's I suppose the, that's what keeps me going the, and uh, maybe the last piece of music that uh, we were talking about yeah. playing maybe reflects yeah. that about it's um, uh, a piece by Noel Henry called How Can I Keep From Singing um, where he talks about clinging to the rock um, and Christ is my rock and that's what keeps me going. Father Frank, thank you very much indeed for the interview. Um, I think that that last answer that you gave certainly gave me, and I'm sure will give everybody else inspiration to keep going too. Um, so on behalf of, uh, of myself and all the people out there in West Limit, thank you for your priesthood. Thank you for listening to that guy who's now out in New Zealand somewhere. <laughs> uh, thank you very much to that guy too. Mm-hmm. Uh, Thanks to all of those out there who are, who are listening to the program today. Um, thank you again, Father, for accepting God's call to become his priest. And maybe just before Noel Henry uh, plays out with his last piece of music, you might give us uh, your blessing, please, Father. So I ask Almighty God to bless you, John, and to bless all the listeners out there in, uh, in West Limerick, to bless their families, and uh, to be close to them and protect them and guide them as they make their way, way through this life, which can be often difficult. And so I bless you all in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you, Father. So, the, the last piece of music, Father, you're going to introduce, please, for us, is from Noel Henry. Noel Henry, how can I keep from singing? Okay, Father, maybe you don't sing yourself, so maybe we'll leave it to Noel Henry. Thank you very <laughs> much, really Father, and God bless you. Bye-bye yeah, now. Thanks, thanks John. My life flows on and on song above earth's lamentation I hear the real though far off him that tales a new creation no storm can shake my inmost calm While to that rock I'm clinging Since love is Lord of heaven and earth How can I keep from singing Through all the tumult and the strife I hear the music ringing Sounds and echoes in my soul How can I keep from singing? No storm can shake my inmost calm While to that rock I'm clinging 
Since love is Lord of heaven and earth, how can I keep from singing? What though the tempest drowned me, woe, I hear the truth that lives. What though the darkness round me close, songs in the night it gives. No storm can shake my inmost calm, while to that rock I'm clinging. Since love is Lord of heaven. How can I keep from singing? No storm can shake my inmost calm, while to that rock I'm clinging. Since love is Lord of heaven and earth, how can I keep from singing? How can I keep from singing? Sacred Space on West Limerick 102.